I'm Lucy Ford and welcome to episode two of Fandemic, a podcast about the things people have loved in life and in a very rubbish year. This week, my guest is Jack Remington. You might know him from his stint on The X Factor as one half of Joel and Jack. He is an incredible singer. Or you might know him from his sort of omnipresence online as a curator and enjoyer of some excellent pop culture memes. Jack has always struck me as someone who just really enjoys enjoying things. So I knew I wanted him on this podcast to talk about the things he loves and there really is so much of it. He truly does have the range. So please enjoy this chat with Jack. Thank you so much for coming on Pandemic, which is a podcast to talk about the things that you've enjoyed consuming in this terrible, terrible year. Hi. Hello, everyone. This is such an interesting thing to chat about as well, because I have just been so obsessed with new stuff through lockdown. So it just feels like the perfect place to just gush about new, you know, passion things and adoration. So it's great. That's exactly what I love doing is just talking to people about the things that they enjoy. One of the things I hopefully I'm not psychoanalyzing you too much here, but something that I feel like you just enjoy people enjoying things. Beyond belief. We we have different interests, but our interests intersect in many ways. But I feel like totally. you you enjoy people being fans of things. One hundred percent. As in like obviously with you specifically. I obviously, I every so often I'm like, oh, I want to listen to a bit of K-pop. And I have mates like you who are like obviously obsessed with like BTS or whoever else. And that's still like not massively my passion project, but I love seeing you tweet about the like niche. And you probably see that because I like, like stuff that you tweet that I sometimes, I don't necessarily actually know like the band member that you're on about or whatever, but I'm just like, I love that you, that I, it just makes you so happy. And yeah. so in the same way, like, a lot of people seem to be so critical and they're like, oh, I hate when, you know, the Spotify wrapped or whatever the trends always are of like seeing people's favorite songs or artists of the year. I love that shit. A lot of it is not music that I would necessarily listen to, but I find it absolutely fascinating and chatting to people about what their favorite song was on the, Ky the recent Kylie album. And like, yeah, we might not have the same favorite one, but I want to know why that one's your favorite. Like there is no right or wrong. So I don't particularly love it's weird. I don't particularly like reading reviews of mm. music, for instance, because some, I just feel like they're often, the angle that they come from is so like, I'm right and this is the correct opinion to have about this art piece, whether it's a film or a song or whatever. Whereas I much prefer when kind of lay people, just like the average person on Twitter, rather than, you know, somebody who's getting paid to write a review, comes to the table and is just like, oh, these are the things I love this, this year or whatever, but for this reason. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I am well aware that critically, perhaps the Beyonce albums that I love aren't as well reviewed as perhaps her later work. But like, because you have so many emotional ties to stuff, I don't know. I just, yeah, I do. I just light up hearing other people talk about stuff that they really like. Because you often find yeah. that there is a, a big um, cross-section anyway, and like yeah. interlinking with your interests. But even if there isn't, it's just like, it's just nice, particularly over this year when there's very little else to get excited about. Like, it's just nice to see people getting excited about kind of, not mundane stuff, but like everyday things and new music. Honestly, 
seeing seeing anyone find like joy this year in something even if I don't <laughs> yeah. particularly like if you're not I'm not excited about it personally I'm like oh I'm so glad that you're excited totally. what, totally. what a rare feeling okay good so I feel like I was right about your character then <laughs> you were you were imagine if I was like no I actually only my opinion is correct I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> um okay so I first asked people on this podcast do you remember the first thing in your life like the first thing you remember being a really big fan of so I was obsessed, not specifically with S Club Juniors, not or like not more broadly with S Club Juniors, but I was obsessed with Daisy, as in like <laughs> I was actually in love with her and I used to dream about being married to her. And I don't know how old I must have been when they were out. I mean, I was at primary school, surely. Um, I don't, and obviously <laughs> that went a very different direction. <laughs> I don't know why, like, because, you know, most people who aren't now like realize that they're gay obviously it's like oh god I had a crush on Gareth Gates or whatever fully fully I wasn't kidding anyone I was just like in love with Daisy when I was younger I don't know what it was about um I mean obviously I love their music but like specifically her and then I think um the first concert I ever went to was Rihanna Good Girl Gone Bad oh my god that's such a good first concert to have it is but then I'm kind of sad that I never I don't know what I don't know what the reason was really, but I, we were never it was we weren't a family that went to lots of concerts and stuff. So I mm. went to that to Go Go Gone Bad with my friend at school when I was I think in year seven. I never went to see like Steps or S Club or anyone, and I actually never was into Steps growing up. I love them now, but it's only kind of been after the fact. Whereas S Club, I was mm. very much you know I would watch C and Double and the Miami TV show and all that. Like I was obsessed. So with good. Them. They had the S Club um, extended universe, and it was just perfect. It was just, and I was very much living there. Like I, I, maybe that was when I first realised I was very online. Is that yeah. I just wanted to live with S Club. Um, so yeah, I would say Daisy, and then really adored Brianna and then got actually quite late in the game I became obsessed with Beyonce um when I saw the I Am Sasha Fierce tour so I think I was probably in year 10 then mm-hmm. year 9 10 um and I went I actually saw it and then it kind of did a second leg in the UK maybe like six months later so I think I originally had to go to Nottingham and then I ended up the second time going to Sheffield which is closer to where I live um and just being like, what is this? Like, I was so starstruck. And she like, one of my favorite songs for Smash Into You, she like flew across the stage, uh, across the uh, arena. She was like, you know, yeah. properly like hoisted up. And I was just like this like godlike creature just like flying around the room. And I think that was probably the first time really I was like obsessed with something because I was actually in awe. And obviously yeah. like Beyonce stood the test of time of just being so phenomenal I would say she was the probably the first major one that I would really stand but then now it's funny because I feel like now like you say particularly being very online but particularly within like gay twitter spheres and I guess it's a yeah an international gay thing but like specifically gay British twitter humor it's very like being obsessed with stuff that is to anyone else like not obsessible yeah uh, in terms of you know it's not someone who's like necessarily objectively super talented it's just like now and that obviously I'm obsessed with that thing which like really am I obsessed what does it mean you know then you end up weighing up the meaning of it in the first place well I was gonna say that you specifically being obsessed with Daisy from Esk of Juniors is just like (laughs) such a it's like a younger version of what the Twitter sphere is like you said of like 
UK, UK gay Twitter, which is yeah. like choosing someone, making them iconic, even though by right. all accounts they're not it's like particularly yeah. iconic you know, in any way. Well, right. This is my identity now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the path I've chosen. Exactly. Um, in what normal people who live mm-hmm. everyday lives and aren't sucked into the void that is Twitter would see as being obsessed with something, I would say the height of it is probably Beyonce and has continued to be. Okay. But then with like fleeting moments when you obviously you boil it down to like individual like memes and tweets and daft references and stuff, I feel like I get obsessed with a new thing every day, like five times a day. I feel like you do as well. And that's what, what a joy it is to follow you on. <laughs> <laughs> I like, in, I like seeing the lifespan of your obsession with things like, Oh yeah. And, and it, and it really peaks and troughs. It really <laughs> troughs. As in there are some now that people are still like, how? Like obviously because I'm kind of known as being that person that is obsessed with that kind of stuff, we'll get sent things. And I, half the time, just like either a, I've been sent this a million times now, but I just am like, ha ah, yeah. Cause you don't want to like break someone's spirit of being like, Honestly, if I see this one more time, I will throw my laptop out the window. And then like, I don't even remember like, being obsessed with this, but sure, okay. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or like, I wish actually, retrospectively, I never had been obsessed with this thing because now it's causing me more pain than joy to keep watching the same thing over and over again. The life cycle of memes is so interesting because I think yeah. there are some things that I will forever die at, as in like any reference to Jessica and Sexy Fishgate kills me it's so funny that's not what i associate with you like that's like one of the (laughs) there's like like three there's like in like the top three things i would associate with you just okay so i is one of them i what would the other two be because i feel like i have an idea of what i think yeah i happy birthday miranda because which has to be obviously but that's also how i uh, new of you which is so it's very special special to me um um Anything Alison Hammond related, I always Good. think That's of the me. other one I was thinking of. I can't think of what the fourth one would be. What would so you I thought it? you'd say Chanel. Oh, of course, Chanel. Gosh, yeah. this, this last because year has really... I got like... <laughs> melted our brains. I know. Because I really got on board with that. I was obsessed with that. Yeah, so for um, anyone who doesn't know, because these, these three things, four things we just mentioned are extremely yeah. British. They translate yeah, they American, but, or, or like the rest of the world, but they are very British. Chanel was a missing parrot that went viral on Facebook. Specifically an African grey. <laughs> yeah. That there was a video. an African grey named Chanel. A yeah. woman looking for her parrot. Her, her parrot. Sandra. Sandra um, Chanel's underscore Ma. Yeah. It got remixed into a million memes. It was amazing. You've got to show me love and all the rest of it. Yep. Um, um, Jess Glynn, Sexy Fish is um, singer, <laughs> preposterously successful singer Jess Glynn. Um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, tried to get into a fancy restaurant dressed in trackies and then but also said she was discriminated against yeah, yeah that was so the issue memes galore um yeah alison hammond <laughs> is just uh, we're gonna go more into alison hammond in a second she is just yeah we better do i think we both agree a national treasure um and just a source of joy that's why she's just pure so joy lovable. pure yeah. joy and happy yeah. birthday miranda is a video that you shared of someone yeah an accidental someone, meme an accidental a, a truly like lightning striking sort of meme where it just yeah. caught like caught, caught a flame and spread all over <laughs> they're always joyful like even even ribbing into jess glynn is like fun I, and this is the thing like it's never obviously like a personal attack on her like i'm never gonna say horrible stuff about do you know what I mean? As in, like, yeah, my yeah. kind of online joke is like, oh my God, Jess Glynn's my nemesis, but only because she writes songs that are so loved by, like, that are so adored by 
their basicness. Like there's not, it's not me being like, oh, I actually despise Jesslyn's existence. Like that's yeah. not it at all. It's yeah. like the kind of kitsch, like tongue in cheek, just like, oh, here we go. Like, of course she's doing a collaboration with McDonald's and like, of course she's going to be Christmas number one and, and Mariah's not going to be, which thank God Mariah was. But you know what I mean? It's just like, I never want, I never want, because sometimes I am aware that perhaps that's perceived as like, whoa, he really goes in on Jess Glynn, but like, it's never meant to be something that is horrible. There's a nuance to it. I think when you yeah. are sort of, um, like we've said many times already, that when you're very online, you sort of recognize the different tone of voice of people being actually mean. Um, totally. And people being a worry. genuinely horrible. There's a worry that that gets extrapolated because <laughs> I do sometimes just think if someone saw my tweets who wasn't online, you know, there's so much stuff. How do we explain the intricate humour of, ah, oh, but you had to have understood the reference from three months ago and what that was referencing. And like, yeah. you end up getting into these like layers and layers of references. You know, like the one that, um, using the Gossip Girl meme that was like, yeah, uh, go piss girl. And like that kind of thing. Or like when you're talking to a cat, like pss, 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 girl, like those kind of things, the vast majority of people haven't got a clue about. And therefore, yeah. if I was trying to relay me taking the piss out of someone by using that kind of thing, they'd be like, I just think that's quite cruel. And you're like, Okay, and well, you're then like, we're yes, differ, aren't we? But it's like, yes, I guess it is cruel, but also I know right. that. Right. Like, you're like, yeah, fine, you make a yeah. point, it's cruel. I, but, but I know in my heart of hearts that I'm not ever going to be horrid to somebody. I know like, me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I did say we were going to go on to Alison Hammond because part of the yes. reason that I wanted to, one of the main reasons I reached out to you, other than what I've said already, is that mm -hmm. I hoped that you would want to talk about Alison Hammond as um, something that I you're a fan don't. of that brings joy, that I feel like yeah. has especially in the last year been very much needed is just like unabashed joy and that's Alison Hammond uh what is it that you love so much about Alison Hammond I think there is a lack of filter that's so lovable and in some a lot of ways a lot of people need a filter because they'd end up saying stuff that is either boring or perhaps a little bit offensive if they don't take a second to, you know it's almost like I often will, believe it or not, not tweet everything I think and sometimes just save things to drafts because it's necessary. But I feel like there are a few cherished people who we can really enjoy when they don't have a filter because nothing ever venomous or vicious is going to come out of her mouth. It's always joy. And so it's even more joyous to be able to see her in slip-up moments or accidental. And, you know, the we've the world first knew of her from being on the civilian Big Brother years and years and years ago. And even then, her famous moment was the fact that she was standing on a table, tried to jump up to look over into the audience, like where if there were people outside of the Big Brother complex, and she broke the table. And so like right from the off, it was almost a sign like we had this foreshadowing of like, there's going to be this daft, clumsy humor along with, and she went into the diary room and was like, big brother, I'm so sorry. Like she was just straight away, just like, you know, Oh God, I've done something awful. And she, you know, snapped a little bit of wood, but it, I think it's that pureness that mm. this pureness of word, purity, I don't know, but just, it's just so lovely. And then just, just, time after time after time like when she was walking across the massive map of britain doing the weather forecast and she knocked someone into the water or like when she was making a soft serve ice cream and it just kept going every like <laughs> there's just so many examples even literally today you might not even have seen this yet 
she was on this morning with Dermot. Did you see it? I with, did. Um, Graham Norton. Yeah. And she goes, oh, the last time I saw you, Graham, was uh, when you were walking your dog. I'm actually just about to get a four-legged friend. Um, uh, do, you, do you still have your dog? And Graham just goes, uh, no, dead. <laughs> and like, there's only Alison could get anyone else. You'd be like, you should have done your research, really, because that's a bit of an inappropriate question. Yeah, you could have mm. upset your guests. And with Alison Hammond, it's just like, thank God she asked that question because Graham yeah. wasn't upset. Derma obviously played along with it really, really well. And Alison is just so entertaining. She's so happy to also be the butt of the joke. Like when yes. she was interviewing Mariah and was like, oh, I've written this song, can I run it by you? Mariah was like, no. She was like, okay. And then just moved straight on. Like, it... She's just, and you can just so tell, like, with Phil and Holly when they're doing the links and stuff, they are obviously obsessed with her. Like, they clearly just adore her. The whole, you can always hear the team doing the filming absolutely crack up. Uh, was it Meg Harkle or was it? Yeah, I think it was. Oh, and she's like, Meg's, Meg's. Meg's, Meg, Megan. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, there are so many examples of just, I think that's when you just find not even a diamond in the rough, just a diamond, but as in the fact that she came from civilian Big Brother, you know? Mm. She wasn't yeah. kind of groomed to be the next big presenter. There was no social media. I mean, it was obviously kind of before social media would really have had any sway slash existed, but it just, it's so nice, her origin story, and then everything she does is just great. You know, I didn't actually know that she started on Big Brother. I, yeah. I just assumed that she was... Uh, just a TV presenter that had like grown up. So, cause I, I'm not someone that's like, oh, if you can forget your like reality TV past, then great. Like, I don't agree with that idea of like, no, you know, no. but it is pretty phenomenal. Like people who can do that and people can come into like being a fan of them, not knowing that. Totally, totally. It shows that they've just got like so much range. 100%. My favorite thing that she's done, and I think actually, if anyone is not familiar with Alison Hammond, this probably is the thing you've seen, is her interviewing Ryan uh, Gosling and Harrison Ford. And Harrison Ford, yeah. For yeah. Um, Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> because that went viral like in America as well, because Harrison- Oh, did it? Yeah, because Harrison Ford right. is so famously a grumpy person to interview. And yeah. he's not necessarily- like rude he just doesn't want to be there and you're he's sort of like asked. he's yeah, just he not asked he's like i have so much money i don't need to be here yeah. and he's not like yeah. he doesn't hate you but i know lots of people who did the exact same press run as her like they were in the same hotel as her on that day interviewing them and like mm -hmm. they had a hard time with them because ryan gosling's nice but he's very low-key um and she goes in and is just like immediately disarms them. And you can, tell <laughs> yeah. that, you can tell that Harrison Ford like really doesn't want to enjoy himself as much as he does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like fully gets into it. She's just, a, and halfway through, like you'll catch yourself smiling watching it. Like mm. you feel, like, feel your face smiling. Yeah. Every and then time. there's also times where it's completely accidental as in she just happened to be a part of, well, hello, Jill. <laughs> like she was just sitting next to Jill. But the fact, of course, she was a part of that meme because of course she was, you know, like yeah. even though it, it was Ainsley Harriet walking in with the pan, Alison Hammond was there, which makes it 10 times better. Yeah. And she just... Oh, and the fact that she is really getting her flowers this year, well, as of last year, but kind of going into this year, like with her own show and obviously as in with the like Black British history stuff, but then also presenting this morning, you just think 
it's about time in the words of Sarah Harding it's about time (laughs) um yeah it just makes me happy to see because I feel like we're living in the age of Alison Hammond now which is just so because she's done it for so long it should have happened before yeah Um, and we know that and obviously there are reasons at play as to why it's more likely that other people would have had opportunities before but it's just nice that they are finally happening for her and, and she seems to be so chuffed by them and also every time I gush about her on Twitter I've have a number of people message me and say, oh, I bumped into um, Alison Hammond in real life, particularly um, black women who have said she has been just phenomenal to me when I've met her, you know, like so nurturing and so warm and so loving. And like, it's, it actually gives me goosebumps when I hear stuff like that because of course she was, but also, you know, there are often people who are very, you know, like Ellen for so long was so good at performing and then actually yes. being a nightmare. And, you know, it's not the same thing. And there are so well, many reasons as to why Alison Hammond wouldn't be that, but she could be dismissive and I she would is say, yeah. bond warm. I was saying this the other day to someone actually, um, that oftentimes celebrities aren't that nice. And mm. sort of can't blame them in a way, like, because they, they're, they're, the world that they live in is is very different than the world that normal people yeah. live in. It's sort of unsurprising that they maybe wouldn't see a normal human as like a human. So basic <laughs> levels of niceness yeah. actually are quite huge sometimes because you're like, wow, yeah, totally. hearing people that actually are nice, I do think is quite impressive because they have every, so every opportunity to not be. And also every single person that I have met, like, dancers or also obviously interviews and things that I've watched and read but friends who've worked with or friends of friends who've worked with Beyonce have said the same thing that she's mm-hmm. just a consummate professional and she's kind and Lady Gaga as well actually um there was a friend of mine who has danced for both of them and said that they were both nothing but amazing Lady Gaga this was in the Vegas show they'd always do a big like huddle before the show and she would always say she'd refer to the show as our show not her show but it was like everybody's there and just it's just little things like that that just that's not performative that is Mm. very much someone's mindset towards things and it I think it shows you chose your icons well you chose them do you know I did I think I've got a good icon radar (laughs) (laughs) so part of this podcast is talking about what it's like to be a fan in 2020 because this past year like it not only took away a lot of our like joy it took away a lot of our distractions Mm. a lot of our like routines and also replaced them with fear and anxiety and I definitely felt my relationship to the things that I'm a fan of like massively changed not so much like just like how I responded to them or like what I needed from the things I was a fan of like I I required different things from them how has your relationship been to the things that you are a fan of this year I've become a fan of more things, I think. Mm-hmm. So I finally, as did a lot of people, particularly a lot of gays I know, um, delved into the world of Real Housewives, which I'd never done I have before. noticed this online. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? As in, I feel like it's become not a little side section thing, but actually like, oh, okay, like you can kind of... 50-50 presume that some people will have seen some of what I'm talking about or know what you're on about, you know, because a lot a lot of the memes and things are so used and the reaction gifts, you know, like um, the stuff from NeNe Leakes has been used forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's more and more, particularly the Beverly Hills ones are really getting used a lot. Um, so I started watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills in maybe like August, September, but I'm not someone who likes to binge shows. I will not just sit there and watch a show oh, in a really? day. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm very much, I like to have 
three or four shows going on at any one time and I'll just watch like an episode interchangeably. So it takes me quite a while to watch. I mean, if it's like Drag Race, for instance, when it comes out weekly, obviously I need to watch it immediately so I can chat to friends and like, you know, but that, I, I think that's quite unique. But things, if I'm catching up on it and there's no time pressure, I'm not someone that needs to fly through it. So I started Beverly Hills in maybe like August, September, and then I've had a thread on Twitter um, and every season that I watch it, I'll say like what my opinions are and where I would kind of like rank the housewives and stuff. And I finished it completely last week. So it's 10 seasons. So obviously it still took me like four or five months because I was quite slow with it. And sometimes I'd watch a lot, sometimes I wouldn't. But I loved it. And I feel like now I'm very much eager to be a part of the Real Housewives world. And like, for instance, everyone's like raving about season four and five, particularly the most recent um, finale of, of the reunion of um, Potomac. And I've nearly finished season one on that. And so I'm just like very much trying to catch as fast as possible. They've just started a, um, Salt Lake City. So I'm up to date with that because it's only like nine episodes in. Um, but it's great. I just feel it's just easy watching. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, you know, I think in the same way as, I love chatting, like, like we said before, of like hearing why someone's drag race, like who someone's drag race favorite is. I love to hear. I know I have my favorites. I'm not saying they have to also be your favorites. You know, which is your favorite lip sync of all the episodes, all the seasons, whatever, that kind of thing is fascinating to me. So in the same way, I would never say someone's right or wrong for loving a particular housewife or not, but I love hearing what people made of certain situations of like, ah, so you took that person's side and prioritized that. And like maybe almost like being a bit self-reflective, you know how Big Brother started out almost as a bit of a social experiment to be mm-hmm. like, what, how people react? What do we think to that? And in the same way, I think sometimes it says a lot about someone, not in a judgmental way, but if they really gravitated towards a certain housewife that I was like, whoa, she's so not my kind of person. That's mad that you agree that her behavior was like rational or okay or whatever. And I just think, I don't know, I just find it interesting. Yeah. I think that's good because also I think um, there's something to be said for watching things this year people all together just living their life in some way like you know like drag race it's like lots of people together like real housewives there's lots of people together which is obviously something that we got like taken off of us for the most part and Mm -hmm. it is sort of like living vicariously through drama and gossip and um, I realized this the other day so maybe that's why I literally tweeted about less than a week ago just being like I realize I just miss Goss. That's it. Yeah. And maybe it's because I've been watching so much Real Housewives. I haven't put that link together, but maybe it's just like, like I'm seeing Goss unfold. I haven't a drink over anyone in, in right. <laughs> But where's my Goss? God, I really have not had that debrief after a night out in ages. You know, of like, what did you go up to? Where did you end up going? Did you get to a party? Did you end up blah, blah, blah? And uh, yeah, maybe that's what Real Housewives provides. I had this conversation earlier with someone about how I was like, oh my God, do you remember when you would like regret things after a night out? Like you would spend the next day like with With the fear. And I was like, I can barely remember that. And the other night I found myself cringing over something that I did when I was 11. And I was like, (laughs) wow, I am so starved for things to regret now. Like, cause I'm not having constant regrets that I like delved into my memory bank of when I was 11 years old and was like, oh my God, that was so embarrassing. I just need to go make a mistake. (laughs) Wow. So has there been any high point of being a fan at all in the last year? Like, were there any moments where you felt very like nourished by the things that you were a fan of? Uh, Chromatica, honestly. When Stupid Love came out, it was like peak lockdown one. We had really nice weather in the UK. 
um, I was living back up at home. I moved out of London because I lost some work, like gigging and stuff, wasn't able to sing. So moved back home, got out of my rent contract. And we were actually very fortunate in that, well, A, I have space in my family home to be able to come back to. But also um, the weather was really nice every weekend. It just kind of happened to coincide with weekends. So my family and I were doing barbecues and stuff, which was just something so nice to look forward to at the end of the working week. And my brother was back here as well. He normally lives in London, but we all came back for the first three months in last March. And then Stupid Love came out and it was just like, oh my God, this euphoria. And me and my uh, group chat planned our well r.i.p to this we were so hopeful that we'd be able to do halloween and like be out out by october last like, year it'll be two we, weeks it's fine oh my god <laughs> so we had proper mood boards of what each of us were wearing it was all pink and purple this was actually i think rain on me had then come out which was we were doing family come dine with me at that point we were all doing it like one each week and I remember being i think it was my brother's one and he was serving the food and i went i'm so sorry i know this is really rude but like give me four minutes and I just sat there watching rain on me I'd like remember it's, there are so few music videos or music drops that you remember that vividly and I was just sitting there watching it in awe and then yeah it was off the back of that um that my friends and I were like right okay uh Cam you're wearing this because it's that's the pink from the stupid love I'm gonna wear this purple George is gonna do this with those boots and all these different websites of like pulling like okay we've seen this mesh on like just Pinterest whatever like and it was so fun. And then Chromatica came out and I listened to it for the first time, lying sunbathing in my garden with headphones on. Just couldn't believe how great it was. And also I don't tend to be, other than like Beyonce albums, I guess, I'm not obsessed with listening to things in order. Mm-hmm. But Chromatica, I just let it roll. And it was so good. And it, so that's, that I would say was when I felt the most fed. I think yeah. also um, Future Nostalgia, was a real highlight. Um, that was just a I pop. Kind of, that was just so oh, good. Just bop to bop to bop, like the whole thing. And then um, Studio 2054, I watched mm. the live stream and that was like, I feel like that was quite a game changer. Um, the, the Kylie one was brilliant as well, but I, there was just something about the whole duo live stream just felt, and obviously then there were conversations about how much how many ticket sales there were, how much money was made off the back of it. And, you know, is this, is this the future of where we go during pandemics mm-hmm. and things you know nothing beats live music and it doesn't I would much rather have been there seeing it perform it live but in the interim great that's you know I'll take it um and it was just so slick I thought the creative production on it was brilliant so yeah I would I'd keep banging on about it to be honest on Twitter but the pop girlies really saved 2020 for me like just unabashed pop music in in mm-hmm. whatever fashion whether that is like slightly you know just more old-fashioned disco in the way that Kylie made her album or the slightly future-projecting way that Dua Lipa did, both of which I'm obsessed with. There was just so much joyous pop music. I can't remember, who was it that was like, oh, it was Lady Gaga, of course, that said (laughs) um, pop music will never be lowbrow, very famously in an interview a few years ago. Um, And I totally agree, and I feel like this is the year across the board that has kind of proven that more than any other to just yeah. be like, okay, cool. So take away the pop music that we produce largely as women. There were also some um, amazing male artists, largely who were queer and like just queer artists in general. Take that music away. And what did you have last year? 
you know, like misery, <laughs> mis- <laughs> truly misery. And I think also Nothing. it was the year that I appreciated certain other artists. So like Love Me Land by Zara Larson. I've mm. always thought she was really talented and had a great voice, but like that was just a moment like so so good react was amazing by the pussycat dolls it was i've really come back to miley cyrus again recently i just feel like she's so found her groove um i just find her quite mesmerizing and i used mm-hmm. to be obsessed with her like i have <laughs> um you know in cinemas they have the massive like almost vinyl like plasticky big um things that advertise on the wall that are literally yeah. like a well, I don't even know what the size would be like huge like way bigger than people yeah well when my when the last song the film um yeah. with Miley and the Hemsworth um was finishing in my local Odeon whenever that was out maybe what would I have been in like year 10 11 I don't know um I said oh if that's going to waste can I have that and they were like yeah of course so I had it in my room for years <laughs> and I found it the other day as in fully like it's the whole length of my room and I've got quite high ceilings at home um <laughs> And I just have the last song, so I was obsessed with that. And the whole, like, Can't Be Tamed era, just yeah. adored. But then this recent album, she's just found her groove so well. She became and a rock star, it, and that was just, proper, like... Proper, proper rock star. Yeah, it was yeah. so good for her. And it's so... I mean, obviously, I don't exist in spheres where there are many kind of negative straight men, full stop, because that's not what interests me. Mm. But I like to think she is one of the women in kind of rock music who it's almost just accepted. It's like, yeah, she's a rock star. You know, so, so mm. frequently it's just like, oh, you know, men are rock stars and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. even, you know, when Stevie Nicks was going through it, it was just, a, you know, she had to prove herself a lot more than a man would to be a rock star. And it just feels like there is no way you can say that, that Miley's not because she just is it. She just embodies the this whole genre and this whole era for her has been so perfectly executed, even down to the, like, the looks and the interviews and her attitude and her finding her lane. And it's just so nice to see because she really is what she's making, you know? Yeah, the mullet is really good on her. And it annoys me that I can't pull off a mullet. (laughs) It's so annoying. (laughs) She makes me want to try it and I'm like, don't do it. Don't, don't. No (laughs) offense, but don't. As in, I would say to anyone, I didn't even (laughs) say to her before she did it, by the way, Miley, probably not. But obviously she can pull it off. Now, final question, right? Normally, if there was one thing that you could show someone that you're a fan of, like you had like one thing as a way to make them feel as strongly as you, what would it be? And you can honestly now pull from any of the things that you've just talked about. I think it is Alison Hammond. Is it? Just because, because there's that video of her laughing for like two minutes straight. And if you just show that to anybody, even for some reason who, you know, they might not have adored her before, I can't understand why, but there are people like that, few and far between. I just don't see how you can't listen, watch that and just be like, that is just so joyous and fun. Her laugh is so infectious. It's so hearty. It's a proper like belly laugh. She really, and then she yeah. gets her second wind and she gets going again when she laughs and it's so nice. And I just think there's just so much, there's never enough room for more joy ever, ever, ever. And I just think she is the epitome of that. I feel like you could pull anyone from any sphere and go, just watch some of these interviews or just watch the way that she is as a person or these gaffes and these accidental things that she does. There's a real magic about her that I think is so phenomenally infectious. I would 100% agree. 
Well, thank you so much for coming onto my podcast. We have mentioned that you're incredibly online. So where can people find you? To yes. Appreciate um, these music. So, yeah. Um, Twitter and Instagram largely. Um, so it's just my name at Jack Remington with two M's, not like the razor. I'm hoping to branch back out onto YouTube again. So I started a channel um, last year with my friend Ash and pandemic things or whatever meant that we couldn't be together but hopefully that's gonna get picked back up um i've got uh, an exciting new igtv collab series coming out quite soon you know i took stock of stuff last year um i had to kind of fall into doing a job that i'm very fortunate to be able to fall back on but it's not my kind of dream career and i just really want to get back into the entertainment stuff because i just like making people smile well, you always make me smile, so that's great. Thank you. Well, thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you. And that was Jack Remington, someone whose love for things is as infectious as the laugh he adores from Alison Hammond. Definitely follow him on Twitter if you don't already. It's a joy. You won't regret it. If you've liked what you've heard today on Pandemic, please hit subscribe. And you can listen to our past episode as well as be alerted to new episodes, which will drop every Tuesday. We have some great ones coming up with people loving all kinds of things. If you'd like to follow me, I'm at Lucy J underscore forward on Twitter. I am always there. Stay safe, everyone, and keep loving things.